This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. We turn our attention to a little football and the New York Jets. And for that, we bring in our ESPN guy who's covered the Jets for a number of years, Rich Samini. Rich, Larry, and Gordon, how are you, my friend? Gentlemen, how are you guys doing this evening? We're doing great. Rich, let's get started with what was the mood around this Jet team after Salah's statements early in the week about taking receipts and jumping off bandwagons and not coming back and all this other type stuff? Yeah, it was an interesting week around the Jets, uh, you know, just mainly because of uh, Salah's comments on Monday, which took me by surprise a little bit. Uh, It was a pretty bold statement, and I know it angered a, a, a large segment of the fan base. But the players took it as uh, a coach sticking up for his players, you know, uh, you know, defending them, showing his confidence in them. That's what I, I got to a man from talking to players in the locker room. So um, if that was his intention when he said it, then uh, I think the message got through. But Rich, doesn't that kind of put more pressure on them to actually give some proof that things are not the same old Jets? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, no question about it. And it's, uh, you know, the interesting thing about Salah, you know, I think on Wednesday, I don't want to say he walked it back a little bit, but I think he added some perspective to what he said on Monday. And I think he couched it a little bit and basically saying what you just said, Gore, you know, it's, you know, we're not the same old Jets, but, you know, we realize that until we win, we're going to keep getting criticized. And so, this is a big game for this team. You know, it's a big game. You know, they're facing a good opponent on the road, and they played terribly last week, mainly on offense. And so this is a really, really, given what the coach said, given the opponent, given the, uh, you know, you don't want to go 0-2, it's a big game for, for a mid-September game. Rich, so we kind of talked about this on Sunday, so let's, let's look at it again. A lot of conversation about Joe Flacco getting the start, lack of mobility, so on and so forth. We understand the the experience may not throw the ball in certain places. But, you know, this Mike White guy keeps getting a lot of support from the fan base. How long is the leash on Flacco this week, considering all the things you've mentioned, all the things that's happened with Salah, the comments, and the fact that this team can't go 0-2 again because the rest of the schedule gets much, much tougher? Oh. I think, Larry, you know, that, that's certainly a fair question. That's probably the question of the week is, like, how long is Flack, Flacco's leash? Based on what Salah said publicly, he said he never really considered a quarterback change this week. So if we take his words at face value, then I think Flacco's going to have a fairly long leash on Sunday. Now, if, if, it, if it's just a flatline situation and they're going three and out, three and out the whole first half, would I be surprised? If he puts White in in the second half, now that wouldn't surprise me. Um, I just think this coach has a lot of confidence in Joe Flacco, and I know Jet fans are hearing this right now and, and ready to drive off the road because I, I, get, I, get, I get the sense that the fan base does not have confidence in Joe Flacco. But as you alluded to, Larry, you know, there's just, you know, it's making right decisions. It's knowing where to go with the ball. It's reading defenses. It's, you know, say what you want about Flacco. I mean, he did only have the one turnover, which is a pretty good number when you consider he dropped back 62 times. Um, That is a big part of the problem right there. They got way too pass-happy in that game, and they have to try to get more balanced on offense. 
Rich, when, I'm pretty sure when Zach Wilson first went down, Salas said that he had confidence because they view it as they have three starting quarterbacks. So the fact that he is so steadfast in, in talking up Joe Flacco, despite what Flacco has done here, what, despite what he did on Sunday and how the offense looked, is that more of an indictment on where they think Mike White is at right now, more than a statement in favor of Joe Flacco? Yeah, yeah, he did make that comment in saying we had three starting quarterbacks, but that was early in the preseason. So I'm going to give you what the team's perspective is. I'm not saying this is my opinion, which might differ from the team's opinion, but, um, you know, Mike White did not have a good preseason. You know, he didn't have a good training camp. I watched him every day. He played poorly in the first two preseason games. He played better in the last preseason when he faced the Giants' third-string defense. And I think whether it's fair or not, I think this coaching staff still can't get out of its mind the fact that he threw four interceptions against the Bills last year, and they benched him for Joe Flacco then. So, And then he's only started three games in his career. So Mike White, despite having that phenomenal game last year against Cincinnati, you know, is a very, very young quarterback who's still learning a lot. So, uh, again, this is the organization's feelings. I don't necessarily agree with all that stuff, but that's why they have – Flacco ahead of White on their depth chart. Ritz Amini is our guest. It's Hardestine Damien Fagrasso on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Ritz, let's talk about this Browns defense. And you're looking at Miles Garrett. You're looking at Clowney. The offensive line, we can't put lipstick on the pig, Rich. It was awful. Uh, what can they do to try to give Flacco some more time back there when he, when he gets back to throw? Yeah, he was hit 11 times. Larry, and I think he was pressured about 20 times, so obviously not good. Um, The one thing they can do is, like I said a little earlier, just run the ball. You know, the one thing they did do well, and there weren't many things, but one of them, you know, they ran the ball fairly effectively in the first half before Mike LaFleur forgot all about the run in the second half. So I think that's one way you could help Joe Flacco is is try to run the ball. Stay out of the third and long. I mean, I didn't even – there were so many third and long situations, you know, and Flacco, when it's a clean pocket, he's okay. In fact, I looked up his stats. He completed 72% of his passes when he was not under any pressure. Now, if there's pressure, that's a different story. You know, then he's at the bottom of the league in terms of produ- productivity under pressure. He's not good under pressure. And at times he held the ball too long. I think he'd even admit that. So the offensive line, especially the left side, George Fant and Lakin Tomlinson have to play better. They had a bad game last week, and now they got Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, you know, two really good edge rushers. It's going to be a, a tall task. One of the reasons why there was some optimism coming into this year, Rich, as you know, was, you know, the overall skill, the overall talent of the team is far greater than it's been in a while. Uh, Garrett Wilson uh, only played probably about half the offensive snaps last week but already showed, you know, kind of that one play, the talent that he brings. Do you expect him to kind of get ramped up here and be a bigger part of the offense in a short period of time, or do you think that this is going to be a slow process with him? Yeah, he only played half the snaps and really, and only six in the first half. So he didn't really get in until they were in, in passing mode on every down, which obviously raises some questions because he is a very talented player. He was the 10th pick of the draft. He should be out there. And, uh, you know, we got the uh, typical coach speak this week. You know, it's you got to learn more than one position to be a receiver in this offense. And and they also suggested that he, he needs to improve on non-passing plays. 
you know, in other words, block better on running downs. So, you know, that's one of the ways they want to get him in there. Are they? Is he suddenly going to play every down this week? I don't think so, because they're going to rotate four receivers. And so, you know, he may end up only playing 50 or 60% of the snaps again, because they have three other really good receivers. And, you know, they want to get Barrios on the field a lot, because he's effective when he's out there. You know, Corey Davis had that, you know, huge drop last week, but they still have him in high regard. And, of course, they do with Elijah Moore, who played more than any of the receivers last week. So I think Garrett Wilson will get more playing time, but I don't think it's going to be like he's an every-down player. I'm not comparing the two, Rich, but this story sounds a little bit like Denzel Mims 2022. <laughs> uh, no, it's not even close. To, yeah, I mean, it's – I mean, some of the explanation – Yes, from is, the explanation standpoint. Uh, yeah, that that might be a little bit similar. There's no comparison to the players. I Absolutely mean, not. Wilson is, yeah, no. I mean, Denzel is just not a fit in this offense, and I and I don't think he ever will. Garrett Wilson is was drafted to be in this offense, and you can see what he can do when he gets the ball in his hands. And that's such a huge component in a West Coast offense: the run after catch. And obviously, Garrett Wilson has that ability. Rich, the, you know, we're talking about the highlights of, of last week, and there weren't many. But the defense, I did think, looked significantly better than really at any point last year, uh, at least in that first half. I know they gave up some points in the second half. Uh, does the defense kind of have to make a play and score some points in this game, given what the, the shortcomings they have on offense to be able to win this game against Cleveland? Yeah, I mean, the defense has its different sort of challenge this week. I mean, they are facing another good running team, but it's a different style of running team from Baltimore. I think they only give up 60-something yards on the ground last week, which is which is pretty good. But, yeah, you would like to see the, the takeaways. Now, D.J. Reed had the acrobatic interception, but that was really late in the game. The outcome had already been decided. So, yeah, you know, ideal scenario for the Jets. Play really well on first and second down. You know, make Jacoby Brissett beat you on third down. Jacoby Brissett is not a good starting quarterback. He, you know, he is not a starting quarterback. He's their backup, but because of the Deshaun Watson situation, he's got the job for 10 more games. So his numbers were not impressive last week. I, I did a deep dive on his numbers. They were not impressive in any way, shape, or form. So if the Jets can get him into some you know, uh, advantageous down-and-distance situations for the defense, I think the Jets have a chance in this game. The defense needs to help them, and Rich, special teams needs to help them too. Uh, clearly some field goals, some extra points, a decent punter. Uh, these things will help him. And Barrios on special teams has been, you know, he was very good last season. Well, the, the kicking thing is just, the, <laughs> you know, and, and those four points didn't matter last week in, in the grand scheme of things. But it's just, those are momentum killers. You know, when, when Zerline misses the field goal, that's just a momentum killer, and uh, so the, that's how that resonates. And then the missed extra point was just like a, kind of the seemed to embody the whole day for the Jets. You know, they couldn't even do that right. You know, Jet fans know this has been like a revolving door over the last few years. You know, Zerline, they say they're confident in him. He's got a track record, but he does have a very good track record. But I, I, I point to last year with Dallas. He was not real good last year with Dallas. There's a reason why they cut him. Did not have a good year with Dallas. And so this is this a continuation of that? 
I don't think we can reach that conclusion after one game, but there is some pressure on Zerline. Now, as for Braden Mann, they said he had a back injury that developed during the game last week that, that caused the, you know, the 20-yard punt, which turned out to be a huge play in the game. Now, he practiced fully today, so my expectation is that he will be the punter on Sunday. Rich, last one for me. I know this is not your uh, forte per se, but there have been some rumblings and some circles about uh, possibly that Woody Johnson might be thinking about selling the team. You've been you've covered the team for a very long time. I'm sure you know a lot of people. Have you heard anything along those lines? Yeah, I heard those rumors as well. Uh, you know, when they came out a couple of days ago, uh, that would surprise me. I mean, and I have not talked to Woody Johnson in a while, but. That would surprise me. I think now that he's totally focused on the football team, he's you know he's back from his his ambassadorship where he spent four years. I mean, the football team I think is his number one focus right now, or or you know it should be. So if he gave that up, um, you know I I think it would be create a pretty big void in his life. I mean, he's at practice every day. He's very involved in the operation of this football team. He's not one of those hands off owners who shows up you know, once a week on game day, he's, he's there pretty much every day. And, but again, I don't know his financial situation. Obviously he's doing pretty well for himself. Um, <laughs> if you, if you believe the Forbes listings of the billionaires in the world, you know, Woody's on the list. So, but who knows? I, I always thought he would keep it in the family and uh, pass it down to his, his son someday, but that's just my own speculation. So I would be surprised if he were uh, thinking of selling a team. Yeah, it would, it would really be it would be interesting to see. I know there's some fans who would like to see a change in ownership, but it, it'll be interesting. Rich, what you got cooking on the flight deck for this weekend? Yeah, we got uh, Quincy Anunwa was on my flight deck this week, so uh, it was good catching up with Quincy, former Jets wide receiver. So we did a breakdown of the Baltimore game and, and talked about uh, players on the roster that he really likes, and, and it was really a good conversation. So that's on this week's flight deck. All right, that sounds good. And, of course, you can pick that up on .com and on the ESPN New York app. Rich, enjoy the game on Sunday. Travel safely, my friend. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Rich. All right, that's Rich Samini. Gordon, fans, I don't think you're going to see Mike White this weekend. No. (laughs) It doesn't look like it. Listening to Rich, I think there's a better chance of Woody selling the team. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think think there's any chance of Woody selling the team after talking to Rich. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So you got to deal with Flacco. Why why would you? I mean, you know, again, you don't know his his financial. I mean, that's the dream to own a a football team. I mean, you're a license to print money and. Yeah. I mean, why would you ever sell a football team? But, but you uh, know what, Gordon? If if as a person who has tasted success in other businesses, right, and you haven't tasted success in this business, it gets a little old. I think even for an owner, it gets yeah. old. But it I would think old. when you're that rich, it's always someone else's fault. It obviously yeah. can't be your fault. In the real world, you're a genius. So yeah. if you're you know a bobo in the NFL, it's clearly you just haven't hired the right people. So yeah, you're right. It's it's. It's an interesting scenario, that's for sure. You get your, we'll get your thoughts on what Samini had to say. What do you think about the Jets this weekend? Can they beat the Browns? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh, I got a stat for you, Larry. We oh, always talk about do. the Jets and how they haven't won a September game since Sam Darnold's debut. I got a, a positive stat that might give Jet fans hope, so I'll give it to you next. Wow, what a tease. That's perfect. We'll have that next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer.
Uh, Phillies have a one nothing lead over Atlanta. Oh, Swarber with the solo home it's run. All coming together. This weekend's going to be uh, the, the best weekend yet here. Vogelbach had a home run, solo yep. shot to give the Mets a 2 nothing lead, but the Walker has given one back to the Pirates, so it's 2-1 as they bat in the top of the fifth. And, Gordon, before we get to your 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 stat on the Factoid, Jets, yeah. yes, uh, Tom and I were having a discussion, so I want to mm-hmm. bring you in on this. All right. The city Milwaukee uniform tonight. Yeah. Uh, the colors are cool for me. I like the I, colors. I, I like the colors. Well, Tom and I agree the font is a little much, and the hat is not, not that good. Yeah, it's like a powder. It's almost like a Chargers kind of powder blue with a mm-hmm. yellow, although it doesn't, it doesn't pop quite as much as the Chargers uniforms do. And they have Brew Crew written in like an electric lettering or almost like a softball-type lettering yeah. across the – Look, the Brewers logo – the M and the B that make the glove, that, that's one of the great logos in, in, in baseball, if not in sports. Yep. So I don't like ever going away from that logo on the hat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They have MKE on the hat. Milwaukee. Mil, Milky oh, my e. God. oh they, God. They, I mean, that, they... that, I mean guys, stop <laughs> trying so hard. Milky. I was sitting here thinking Milwaukee, uh, K-E. What, is, what, what does that stand for? Oh, that's so stupid. Yeah, MIL would have been okay. <laughs> but you know what? MKE. Dopes are probably buying these jerseys. I'm a big Milwaukee fan. I'm going to have a hat that says MKE on it. So if they sell stuff, they're going to keep pumping it out there. What is that on the? What's that emblem on the other sleeve? I think it's a barbecue. Yeah. Where's Bernie Brewer? Bring yeah, Bernie I back. I like the I like the M and the B. I remember my sister went to uh, college in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember going there, and I got a, a, a Milwaukee Brewers hat. And I right. was probably like 12 or 13. Larry, it was like three years later that I realized, oh, wait a second, that M and B, that makes, that's an M and a B that the glove. I didn't, it took me forever to realize that. Yeah. It wasn't, wasn't the sharpest tool. Sorry. Well, no, you just enamored with the fact that you got a hat. Yeah, I think a lot of people didn't notice that for the longest time. Yeah. That made a, you made, so the don't glove be so hard on yourself. Don't yeah. be so hard on yourself. You weren't alone. You weren't alone. How about Jeff McNeil taking a home run away? And I'm nervous with him in the outfield. I'm always nervous when they put him either left or right. I'm nervous. I understand you got to keep his bat in the lineup, but he just made a great play, so I gave him props. All right, enough of this baseball talk. Give, give, give me the uh, Jet factoid. Uh, well, look, we talk about the Jets all the time. They haven't won a game in September since Sam Darnold's debut. Do you realize the Cleveland Browns have not started a season 2-0, and just 2-0, and since 1993? Really, the, the, it's not even the Cleveland Browns then, right? That, that goes back because the Cleveland Browns became the Ravens. Right. And then they had that, that, what was it, five years or whatever it was where they were four years where they were out of the sport and then they started the expansion team. So this goes back to the original Cleveland Browns. They have not started a season 2-0 and in this, this iteration of the Cleveland Browns the entire time they've been in the NFL and, and have not done it since 1993. Unbelievable. So, I mean, they have had a, a – a, they got back in the league – but they haven't really been back in the league, if you know what I mean. They have had a, a bad run of things. They've basically had two really good seasons since they've been back in the league. So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. There's always a chance. <laughs> and again, like we look at Cleveland, and, and granted, their talent, their overall talent is pretty good, but they're playing mm-hmm. with their backup quarterback. They were an yeah. eight-win team last year. They're not, That's right. You know, this is not murderer's row. This is not the Bengals who you'll face next week. That one I would say, all right, there's probably not a very good chance you're going to win that game. If you want to win a game, this is the one to win. 
Better win this one. Better win this one. Could you? I mean, can you imagine if they start zero and three again? Oh no! It would be and, awesome. and every week there are surprising results. Can the Jets be part of that? Yeah, it would be like, nice. You know, before the season turns to dust. Yeah, it would be. It would be great if they could be. How about the Yankees up two nothing? We were talking, Gordon. And we'll come back and take calls in a second. Glaber Torres is starting to starting to be starting to find some stuff. Now. Yeah, well, I mean, if you hit rock bottom, generally you bounce back <laughs> up, and it does look like he's having better swings. I'm sure that uh, now. I think part of this is that the Brewers are just really struggling right now because Marwin Gonzalez just drove in a run. So <laughs> I do think that maybe this that has something to do with it. Now I'll say t- I'll say this. If Aaron Hicks gets a hit, well, then you know something's up. I would just say you're Start due. Start the investigation. I would just say you're due. You're a better team than that. You're not as bad as you played the past month and a half. No, but the guys this, in the lineup, not. a lot of them are this bad. Yeah, but Hicks but, and Gonzalez are not yeah, good. Yeah, They've I understand. I understand. But Torres is not the way he's. No, he's look, t- Torres, again, he had a good first half of the season. You thought, okay, after the last two years, he's back on track. But then. Since the All-Star break, he had a stretch where he was just – I mean, he could not hit a beach ball with a shed door. I mean, he was <laughs> terrible at the plate. So, hopefully he's coming out of it because that's one of the guys you – you know, if you're a Yankee fan and you want to see a deep playoff run this year, you got to think of all the things that need to line up. You need to get these guys healthy, and you, and it's it's Rizzo, and it's LeMahieu, and it's about seeing who else in the lineup – that's regular players can be part of it. And Glaber Torres is a guy you're relying on. You're not relying Absolutely. on – on Aaron Hicks, you're not relying on Marwin Gonzalez. Glaber is a guy you need to perform. So to see him starting to come out of it, maybe that's a good sign. He can carry you for a couple of weeks too. He could. He, he could absolutely. You weeks, need, and and you you need him, right? Yeah. I mean, this is not somebody that well he could be an X factor. No, he has to. Do, he, you are depending on him. Yeah, he could be a holdover while Rizzo gets back, gets the rust off, and mm-hmm. Lemayhu when he comes back and whatnot, and then you know you're able to tide yourself over, and then you know you get into the postseason. Who knows what happens? We'll take a quick break. Come back and take your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. All right, Gordon, let's head to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Ira is in Staten Island. What's up, Ira? Uh, Good evening, Larry Gordon. I'll give you an interesting stat that probably most of the audience don't care about, but I'll tell you too because I continue my friends. So, um... I haven't seen a meaningful jet road win, okay, on a, su- on a Sunday. Listen to this. On a Sunday, because I don't count the Sam Donald game. It was a Monday. My friend actually made me aware of this. When they beat the Browns with Josh McCown in 2017 when they got the 3-2. and two. Wow. So if I take the year from COVID away with no fans, that's four seasons since I've seen them win a meaningful road game. Wow, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna throw the uh, the can't wait game <laughs> up in New England. Oh, <laughs> yeah, but that's that's true. That that's true. Well, that was a really meaningful game, the Brown game in 2017, was it? But you know, getting to this week, listen, yes. this is a winnable game. Listen, the, the Jets, you know, they're gonna have to do whatever they can to get this game because if they lose it, you know. To me, I just think this it's not going to be a pretty picture. But one thing, and we talk about uh, coaches and adjustments, one thing that stood out to me this week, for, regardless of Salah's remarks, I can't, so many reported this, I can't believe LaFleur came out and said that Garrett Wilson 
wasn't on the field enough last week, last week against the Ravens because he doesn't know all the receiving running route, uh, receiving routes. I know. I said, wait a minute. That's what I heard about Denzel Mims. Yeah, I said, brought that up, yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe you need to kind of look in the mirror and say, well, you know, maybe it's not the players. Maybe I need time to tweak my system a little to fit the players' skill sets. And the other thing, Ira, is maybe I shouldn't tell everybody. Yeah. Well, that, well, <laughs> that would that? That, that would that would be the most important thing. But you t- you take a receiver with the tenth pick in the draft overall, and he's coming in here, and by far he's definitely definitely the the ceiling is the highest with him. And no, no disrespect to Elijah Moore, but you're telling me that he's not going to start getting playing time because he doesn't run X, Y, and Z routes. Uh, I, I I can't accept that. You 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 need to make some changes as a coach. Ira, you put him in and tell him run the go route, just to stretch the defense out. I mean, just to stretch. Hey, listen, and just you, go to him. What he can say. Just overthrow him if you have to. Just to let people know well, he's a, he's available. We're going to him. Absolutely. Put a fire hydrant on the sideline. Tell him to run to the side. A fire hydrant will throw you the ball like you're playing in the street. I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing. I, this kid needs to play. Now, one, if he doesn't have blocking skills in the running game, I get he's got to learn it. But this kid, this kid's got to get 40, 50 snaps a game. You would think. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's the 10th pick in the draft. I mean... And it's not like he's trying to, you know, crack the Rams or I mean, you know, it's 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 the Jets here, right? I mean, like we're we're talking about it's improved talent. That's great, but he's one of the pieces of the improved talent. So which is it, right? Like you can't make the argument you've improved the talent if one of the improved talents you brought on isn't playing in the game. Right. It make it makes no sense. But I, I do expect him to go in there. I think the defense will put up a really solid effort. I think if Brissett beats him, well, you know, shame on them. But at the end of the day, you know, Flacco can't take the beating he took last week. You know, I know what Richard said, but he's not going to absorb, you know, 11, 12 hits again and another four or five sacks. You know, he's 37 years old, so I don't wish it on him. But, you know, if things don't go well, you might see Mike White in the second half. You may have to, Ira. Thanks for the phone call. Because that means that the offensive line has not solved their problems. It means that they put 10 in the box and you can't run the ball and they're daring you to throw it because they don't think you can protect your quarterback and you can't roll him out. But so Lafleur's going to have to be creative, Gordon. He's going to have to give to throw it to the running backs. We talk about it all the time, right? We, we, we say, listen, you can run the ball without handing the ball off to the running back. You can toss it, put him in the slot, do something, stretch the, stretch the defense, make them, do, make them give you space. There's things you can do. He's an offensive guy. He should know. He doesn't need me to tell him. <laughs> and, and it's not to me it's not enough to say well you know when joe had a clean pocket he did this okay but what's the chances of him having a clean pocket not very good Based not very on last good. i mean the, the stats i have he was sacked three times hurried 11 and hit 10 other times for a guy who's 37 years old and is it was never a part of his game it wasn't like oh no. this is diminished now so no. uh yeah it's a Look, defense is going to have to step up. They're going to have to rely on the running game a lot, and they're going to have to be successful when they do pass the ball uh, the, the amount of times they do. And I think the, 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 the window of opportunity is there, but it's pretty narrow. And they need to shorten the routes, Gordon. Okay, he doesn't yeah. have time to sit there. and th- We no. don't have time for you to get a 15-yard play downfield. Okay? Go to the tight end. Short passes. Boom. Let's go. Let's pick up the tempo. Do some changes. What, whatever you thought you were going to do last week, throw it away. It didn't work. 
and it's not going to work this week against a, a very good Cleveland team defensively who has not one but two pass rushers there. Yeah, they're pretty good. I mean, especially, I mean, Miles Garrett is one of the best in the sport. He is. So, you know, and your defense needs for you to run the ball and give them some time because they're facing a very good running attack. As we talked about last night, this is a two headed running attack, and that means you're going to be punished. Mm hmm. Yeah. So you better be ready for it. Absolutely. Buddha's in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? <laughs> It's always invigorating to hear Rich Zanini always. <laughs> Every time he says something, he said the coaching staff said this. I, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> well, look, poor Rich is getting called out by Bart Scott as being too negative. So he's trying, you know, I mean, he's trying to put a positive spin on things, but he doesn't want to be held responsible for things that are sometimes laughable. You know, to say that Joe Flacco wasn't as bad as people think, <laughs> that needs to be phrased oh, in a different way. I'd pay big money to see Rich and Bart pass each other in the hallways there at MetLife. <laughs> I'd love to see that interaction. But again, like, what is, what is uh, yeah. Rich supposed to write? They've been literally the worst team in the sport for five years. No, bro, you know I'm right there with you. I mean, listen, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough situation. Like you guys said, I mean, good God, these guys got diarrhea of the mouth. First of all, LaFleur looks like, Gary Wilson looks like he's older than him. That's number one. <laughs> but, I mean, come on, bro, like, stop. I, didn't, I said that to you last week, lad. This, this sounds real stupid. It sounds like that Denzel Mim stuff. But these guys, like, they just don't get it. They don't know where they are. This is stuff that's not, that they're doing. It's not going to work here. And they're just tightening the noose around their neck further and further. I mean, if they don't win this game, this, like I told you, this is a must win. I don't know how you can't say it's not a must win. They don't win this game. Sal, Sal's press conference, he's going to be tighter than when David Carradine, they found him in that closet in you know, <laughs> Bangkok or wherever that was. Oh uh, I'm telling you something, man. Buddha. And it's not, it's not even Buddha. funny. <laughs> yes. Buddha, you, I mean, we got to keep it on brand here a little bit, my friend. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, man, I'm telling you something. I'm just laughing because you laugh to keep from crying. I mean, it's really bad. You know, as a fan, especially as a fan, you know you have no control over anything. But when you see, like, year after year, you know, they just roll out. The, 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 I mean, I don't know what they're thinking about. The 59 passes, I don't care if you were behind. I don't care if you were in front. That was asinine. They got to run the football. I don't care if Brees Hall fumbles again uh, and Michael Carter. They have to, in this game here, with the pass rush that you'll be facing there, I don't care who you put back there. It could be Joe Flacco or Mike White. They're going to get blown out if they don't run the ball at least 30 times in this game. And, you know, to be quite honest with you, you know, in a lot of ways, like Papa Lodge has spoke to you before, and you said, you know, if they can win, they can pull out of this. What they did, all of them, in their own various different ways, with Zach Wilson not being available not playing well when he is available, with Salah running his mouth, with LaFleur running his mouth. Now where they put themselves as a franchise, for, we don't, for, for Zach Wilson to be sellable to the fan base, he can't even come out and have like, you know, all right, uh, uh, like this would be his rookie campaign where he shows, but he, like he's got to play really well for people to believe in him. For the team, for, for Salah, I mean, I, I, pretty, I mean, he's a dead man walking, to be honest with you. I hate to say it. But if, he's gonna, if the team is going to recover, 
it, it, remember before Gordon, you were like, look, the Jets fans don't really want much. They just want to see some improvement. When you run your mouth the way these guys have run their mouth, you know, now you made it to where if you win five games, which is totally possible, it could be four again, but if you win five games, that's the fan base is going to be incensed. If you'd have just kept your mouth shut and you'd have won maybe six games, okay, then you could say you improved. I wouldn't have bought that personally. But you could have said, yeah, well, we improved two more wins just like we did the last year. So on that pace, I guess in six years, the Jets will win ten games. But now, now where they are now, like you made it to where – listen, you saw what Joe Douglas did. Adam Gase brought him in here. And they were friends. And they were, like, I don't know what his relationship is with Salah, but now you hear it all the time. The talent is there. Everything's there. So now it's up to the coach and it's up to the quarterback. And I can see Joe Douglas moonwalking away from, you know how it is here, bro. Like, they already are on the path to losing their jobs. And I'm not even talking about the third year. If the Jets win three games this year, you think Salah's going to survive? No way. No No way. He's not going to survive. And he might not be the, the only promo. one. Yeah, he's not he going to survive. Not be the only one. No, he's not. not. He's not. After after the statements, it's unfortunate. <laughs> Larry, he went in one week. He was a week ago. He was wearing a T-shirt that said "Positive Vibes Only." And yeah. in one week, after one game, he went to taking receipts and shoving them down people's throats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He not. seems like he got very angry. Have you noticed that? Yeah, he's trying to lose and see that get right. Listen, <laughs> but you haven't even been here that long to get that angry. And see, that's a warning sign. I don't care what the players say. I heard the Carl Lawson stuff and everything like that, and he, and he was invisible last week. I done told y'all about this dude. You know, Mekhi Becton was a Trojan horse, all right? I done told y'all that this dude, the most sack he ever had in the season was 5.5. He looked little, and he looked invisible out there last week. But you can say whatever you want. There are players, specifically players who've been in the league for a few years, who are listening to what Silas said, and yeah, yeah, he really stood up for us. But when they go home and they're talking to their family and people, they're like, yo, this dude sounds nervous. And when I think about that, you know what I think really, and I feel really bad for in a way, and it's funny how things could turn. Because mm-hmm. I remember he sat that year out with the COVID. Remember Mosley? He yeah, sat that CJ, year out with yeah. the COVID. Everybody yep. was all against him and everything like that. This dude is here still wanting to be a part of this team, wasting his prime years. And, you know, it's unfortunate, man. It's really unfortunate. And this fan base here deserves better. I, I, I mean, it's just – it's not good, guys. They, they better win this game. They You're better right, win Buddha. this game. Thanks they, for the phone uh, call. There's no question about it. And here's the sad thing, uh, Gordon. Here's the really sad thing about it is I hear what Buddha's saying, but those same players are the reason why he's in this predicament. Because they didn't do anything. That offensive line did nothing last week. And they didn't do a thing. That. Think about that. They didn't think do a that thing. we're still here talking about the offensive line. And I understand. I understand that uh, you know a couple of guys got hurt, but it wasn't like those guys are you know franchise. Makai Becton. It was always a qu- he was always a question mark. Yep. Dwayne Brown's just somebody you just picked up. Yep. Oof. And, Getting and ugly early. Didn't do a, didn't do a thing. So yeah, they, they can sit and say all they want to about Sally. He sounds this. He sounds that. What, what did they say? Look in the mirror. What Absolutely. did you do? What did you do to help Absolutely. that team last week? 
We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Mets extended to a 3-1 lead, Gordon, as they continue to bat in the bottom of the sixth. The Phillies with a 2-1 lead over Atlanta, and Aaron Judge has a chance to uh, add some more runs to the Yankees scoreboard as he is at bat with the Yankees leading yeah. for nothing. And, 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 and Aaron Hicks is on first base with, like uh, after the results of a, a base hit. Well, it wasn't really a base hit. It's a hit, I guess, but uh, it was a grounded oh, or short that was just kind of in the hole and you. was able to beat it out, so... So bad. Everything coming up. Roses for the Yankees in Milwaukee. Yeah, there you go. See? And, and I actually had somebody tweet me that they had never realized the Brewers MB and the and the, the glove was an M and a B for Milwaukee Brewers. So still people are finding this out, Larry. I told you you weren't alone. You're too hard on yourself. But once again, here you are bringing people together. I bring it. And that's what I do, Larry. That's what There's I do. There's no question about it. And you do it very well. Oh, that's what I'm about. Subi's in Midtown. Hey, Subi. Hey guys, I wanted to make a fair comparison, like possible comparison with Jets and the Bills organization. Now, what the Bills are doing right now is they sort of did develop Josh Allen because he had a rough first year, and the passes he's been making um, this year or last year are, you know, amazing passes. Now, he didn't win the big games yet, but he is on that path. So, would Josh Allen have had the same success with the Jets because? the organization is incapable of developing a quarterback of his skill set. And the same thing maybe goes with like the Chargers organization with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's making amazing passes that no one thought he would make, but he still hasn't won that big game. Um, he's on that path, but people are still down on him here and there. But like, uh, would the Jets have been capable of developing those two quarterbacks to what the level they are going forward? Let me put it that way. All right, Subi, thanks for the phone call. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to say no. I don't think they would have, uh, Gordon. I, I just don't. I, I don't see them having been able – first of all, they wouldn't have drafted them. <laughs> That's the first problem. And, and, and I just don't – they really have not had a lot of luck in working with and developing quarterbacks. They just haven't. Yeah, and look, Josh Allen's first year was absolutely very shaky. Uh, he was not you – know, I mean, there were major questions about him considering where he was drafted. But, you know, the thing that he controlled in year two was he played in every game. Mm-hmm. He's played in every game, I think, that since he's become the, the full-time starter, he has played in every single game. And already, I mean, think about it. We talk about Daniel Jones. What's one of the major questions about Daniel Jones? Well, we don't know he can stay healthy. He's been hurt yeah. three years in a row. Zach Wilson's been hurt two years in a row, and this year just started. So, yeah, health is a, is a major part of it. I think that Justin Herbert did go to a very good situation, and the talent, a lot of it was already there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in terms of Zach Wilson, I don't know. I, I, there's major questions about him, and there's obviously major questions about the organization. Now, it would have been interesting, Gordon, to see if they had the type of receiving core I want to say a better offensive line, but right now the offensive line looks, looks it's parallel universe. But let's say on paper it's a better offensive line, right? If he had these weapons last year, would he have struggled this badly? That would be the question. Zach Wilson. Well, yeah. I mean, considering what his struggles look like, I would say probably, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was bouncing passes to the backs out of the backfield at times. 
He just he just really looked like he wasn't ready to go. He was not ready to go, and that I'm sorry, that is on the organization. It's not just about yeah. drafting him. They said, you know, they, their decision was no, let's get him in there, right? And he was clearly not prepared to be an NFL quarterback when he took over. That's not that's not a good way to build up your your franchise quarterback. And see, here's here's the scary thing: if you're a Jet fan, you're hearing what your young offensive coordinator is saying is saying right now. What he said about Gary Wilson, you're wondering. And then he said, he, "What he, what was the parallel, Gordon? He, we shouldn't have put shouldn't have, we didn't know Flacco threw that many right, passes yeah, or something yeah. like it made, that." Yeah, it made him want to throw up. I think he said that when he saw yeah. that he threw 59 passes. Well, <laughs> who's yeah. responsible for that? All right, so now it's making you look at your young OC and like, you know, is what this are we doing? What are we big? doing here, right? Like the, the way we stop. Remember that call we had about well, how do the Jets stop being considered a laughing? You yeah. got to stop doing things that make you look like a laughing stock. Absolutely, and, and that's one of the things that you know you're looking at this, and they come out in the media and admit it. It's it's not a good look. It just isn't.